Good morning, New Hope Kingston. I am Pastor Scott, if you didn't already pick up on that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Pastor Dave, um, but I feel like uh, he has the looks, but we're both the same age, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, we got talking, we went on a recent trip to uh, New Brunswick for a ministerial that was over two days, 24 hours actually, one, two days, one night. And we got talking and Pastor Dave said, you know, I listened to your Vision Sunday message in January and I really think that it would be good for you to come down to Kingston and share that with us. And I said, that's, that's kind of odd. Be, you would ask that or request that I would come down and share it again with the Kingston people, just in case you didn't listen to it online. I said, because I've been thinking maybe you should come to Kenful and just get the exposure with our Kenful location because people hear about you, but they don't actually know you. Uh, they've never seen you. So it would be good for you to come up and preach and I'll go down to Kingston and preach. And so that's what we're doing. So if you really think this is just a horrible sermon this morning uh, you can go home and watch online you have pastor dave who is delivering his message online this morning and uh, that what that will give you your fix and get things all right in 2013 the largest lego x-wing model was revealed it was a replica of the classic star wars fighter with a wingspan of 44 feet pretty wide it even came with a full-size r2d2 and a full range of sound effects that made it sound like a real Star Wars fighter. It was the supersized version of the Star Wars uh, Starfighter model 9493. So you could actually buy this and build it yourself with your children. But this was the supersized version. It contained 5,335,200 Lego blocks. Now you bought a box of Legos for your kids at Christmas and thought you paid an outrageous price. <laughs> Imagine buying five over 5.3 million Lego blocks. The X-Wing was built at the Lego model shop at the company's facility at the Czech Republic, which is now called Czechia. It took 32 master builders over 17,000 hours to construct the X-Wing. Plans for the model were created in the Lego's proprietary 3D design software, and the construction team had to work with a team of structural engineers to ensure that the model was safe so that it wouldn't collapse on some kid when they were climbing on it. Once completed, the model weighed 45,980 pounds. That is 23 ton. That's a lot of Lego. You could actually climb up into the cockpit and sit down and pretend like you're flying this thing. It was shipped to Legoland in California from Europe, but not before making a stopover in New York City where people took their pictures and we're able to see it for the first time. It may seem like a very trivial accomplishment to, to a, the world's problems that we have today. When you compare this to what's going on in Ukraine or what's going on in the Middle East, this seems like it's just a, a trivial world record that was broken. Like, why would you even mention this this morning? Well, it's for this reason. In order for it to break the, the world record, three, rec three ingredients were needed. Three things. There was a lot of things. Don't misunderstand me. There were a lot of things that were needed to make this happen. But there were three things that were vital to the very core of this happening. It was vision. If somebody didn't have the vision to build this, it would never have happened. It was teamwork. If there, were, if there was no teamwork, then this would never have been accomplished. And you needed unity. 
You couldn't have 15 or 16 workers over here in this spot and 15 or 16 workers over in this side and they disagree. This would never have been completed without vision, teamwork, and unity. If New Hope, New Hope Kingston, if we're to model the, the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples how to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Then we will need three ingredients. Do you know what they are? Vision, teamwork, and unity. Tree skiing sounds like a death wish, doesn't it? But for some skiers, they absolutely love the rush of untouched snow and a tree stand of spruce or aspen to ski through. The key, of course, is not to hit a tree. Whenever I've downhill skied, I thought the, the goal was just to get to the bottom without hitting anyone or anything. In the Outside Magazine, writer and skier Tim Etchells highlights the challenge. He said, even more so than in deep snow or, or mogul, moguls, what you focus your eyes on becomes critical in the woods. Look at the spaces between the trees, the exits where you hope to be traveling. Don't stare at what you don't want to hit. If you ever taken defensive driving, what do they teach you in defensive driving? Wherever your eyes go, that's where the car is going to go or the vehicle you're driving. So if you're driving down the highway and you're looking out into the field, then eventually your car is going to find its way into the field. Or if you're looking into the other lane, if you look there long enough, the car will follow wherever you look. It's the same premise skiing through the trees. You're looking at where you want to go. You're not looking at where you don't want to go. You're not looking at the trees. You're looking at the space between the trees. That's where I want to go as I'm downhill skiing. It is a powerful and profound thought. And when applied to new hope, we can ask ourselves this very question about this year and about every year that comes after 2024. What are the things that we do not want to achieve? It's a reverse psychology this morning. What are the things that we do not want to achieve? Well, we do not want to achieve no vision and no teamwork and no unity. We do not want to hit those. Because wherever there is a people or a church or a group of believers gathered together where there is no vision and there is no teamwork and there is no unity, there will no longer be a church for Jesus Christ. There are lots of churches that have no vision and no teamwork and no unity. That is something that we do not want new hope to become. Amen? We want to be a people of vision and a people of teamwork and unity. This is what King Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 29, verse, 20, or verse 18. He said, where there is no revelation, people cast off what? Restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Where there is, some other translations say it, where there is no vision. The New Living Translation says where there is no revelation. The word revelation or the word vision are interchangeable throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. It is a common word that is used from Genesis to Revelation. We find the word revelation or vision repeated multiple times throughout scripture. And there's a few things that we know about vision or revelation from Scripture. We know a few things, that when the word vision or revelation is used in Scripture, 
It often refers to a prophetic revelation or a divine revelation from God to an individual or to a group of individuals. So when we find the word vision or revelation in Scripture, it is talking to a person or group of people or a, a group of individuals, and it is a prophetic word or divine revelation to that person. And it often has a twofold purpose when the word vision or revelation is given. The first one is this, it's, it, it's about an immediate or future direction. So when we find the word vision or revelation in Scripture, it is often referring to that individual or group of individuals about something that is going to happen that day or is going to happen in the future. Be prepared. Change your course of, of direction. This will happen if this continues. As often what we find in Scripture when the word vision or revelation is used, it is an immediate or future direction. This is what's going to take place. But there's something else that we know when the word vision or revelation appears in Scripture. We know this, that it is to develop and advance and build the kingdom of God. Not only is it a sense of direction, this is what's going to happen, but it is to, this is going to take place in order to develop or to advance or to build the kingdom of God. This is going to be for the glory of God when we find it in Scripture. So receiving and deciphering and carrying out a God-given vision or revelation is both difficult and complicated. It's not impossible, but it is difficult to navigate. Why is it difficult? Because the vision is complicated, because not everyone views the vision in the same way or the revelation in the same way. Sometimes it's just a matter of, of God's people widening their view, looking beyond the task or the ministry that they're currently involved in, to realize that there is a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God, beyond the ministry that you're presently involved in. Let me explain it this way. Maybe this old story will give you some insight. A gentleman approached a, a worker who was laying bricks, and he asked him on this job, what are you doing? It seemed like an obvious question, but he, wanted to, he was curious about the answer. And so the guy said to him, in a very snide kind of way, he said, what does it look like? I'm laying bricks. I'm a bricklayer, I'm just laying bricks. So the man goes to another bricklayer on the same job, and he said, what are you doing? Seems like an obvious question, but this time, this guy said, I'm building a great cathedral. Do you see it? Both guys were doing the same thing. They were both laying bricks. But one could only see the present. I'm laying a brick. The other guy could see the whole picture even though it wasn't a picture yet. I'm building a great cathedral. So we have to ask ourselves as a church some tough questions. What is beyond a Sunday service at New Hope? What is beyond a hope huddle? What is beyond men's ministry or women's ministry or children's ministry or youth ministry or any other ministry you want to name this morning? What is beyond the local missions that we do here in our community? What is beyond global missions? This may surprise you this morning, but there is more to God's kingdom than a Sunday service. There's more to God's kingdom than a hope huddle or the focus ministry that you may be involved in, and you think, that's it. This is the kingdom of God. This ministry that I'm doing, this is all there is. You're just laying a brick. But the person who is in a ministry and realizes that this is part of the kingdom of God is saying, I'm building a great cathedral. Amen. I'm building a great 
kingdom for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must start seeing beyond laying bricks in our given ministries and start seeing how we can build the eternal kingdom of God. Amen? What have every person and every ministry understood the vision of working together for the glory of God to build His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Perhaps you're wondering this morning, what is, the, what is the vision for New Hope? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked that question because when you ask great questions, I get to answer those great questions. It's in our motto. It's over there on the wall. A hope-filled community. If you don't know what it is, humor me and just say it with me this morning. A hope-filled community. What does that even mean, a hope-filled community? It means a few things I want to discuss with you this morning. First of all, it means that New Hope is a place and people of hope. That we must never forget that we are a place and people of hope. We are a people and place of hope because of Jesus Christ. Because He lives within us and through us. He is the hope of the world that is existing and living within us. Amen? And it is through Christ that we experience forgiveness and healing and eternity. Romans 5.5, 5, Paul wrote this. He said, and this hope will not lead to what, church? Disappointment. That's the kind of hope that I want. There's a lot of hope in this world that leads us down the path of disappointment. But Paul writes, there is a hope that we can have in our life. It is the hope of Jesus Christ. It never leads you to disappointment. We know how dearly God loves us. Because He has given us His Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what, church? With the love of Jesus Christ. Hope in Christ does not disappoint. It does not fail. Amen? That's the hope that we want to build new hope on. That's the hope that we want you to build your life on. That's the hope that we want to fuel every ministry at New Hope. The hope of Jesus Christ that does not lead to disappointment, but fills us by the way of His Holy Spirit with the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. We need to be a people in place of hope that declares there is hope for the sick and afflicted. That there is hope for the sad and the mourning. That there is hope for the stressed and the depressed, and there is hope for those who are addicted, and there is hope for those who even don't even know they need hope yet. There is hope. The only hope that truly makes a difference is the hope of Jesus Christ. If we become a people in place of hope, we will see God's kingdom here on earth in, in four ways. If you take that word hope and you break it down, we'll become a place of healing that we will become a people in place of healing, that we will find spiritual healing through Jesus Christ. That He will take our brokenness, our anxieties. He will take our, our depression. He'll take the things that we struggle with spiritually and emotionally, and He will bring healing, the power of Jesus Christ that does not lead us to disappointment. He will even do miraculous things in our life. That's a hope for healing. will also bring us opportunity opportunity to have our life transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, but also opportunity to share with other people who do not know Jesus how they can have this hope that does not lead to disappointment. It will bring us peace, peace that goes beyond all understanding. Amen? Even though the world shakes beneath our feet, Jesus fills us with the peace 
that does not shake us. That our feet can stand upon His peace. And it will, and it will give us encouragement that Jesus will not discourage, but He will lead us not to disappointment, but an eternal joy through His life. We need to be a people in place of hope. What else is a hope-filled community? Well, it means at New Hope this, that New Hope is a loving community. What does a loving community look like? I've had a lot of people ask me that. And I always go Romans 12. That's where you need to go. Romans 12, starting at verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You know what Paul is saying here? He said, he's saying, don't pretend to be church. There's enough churches that are pretending to be church. Don't pretend to be church. Really do what? Really love them, he said. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Then in verse 10, love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other honoring each other never be lazy but work hard and serve the lord enthusiastically rejoice in our what church our confident hope our confident hope be patient in trouble and keep on praying when god's people are in need be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality paul paints a picture of a loving community i i I couldn't say it any better. I don't think there's a book out there that says it any better than Romans 12 says it. This is what a community of hope looks like. This is what a community of people who are loving one another and helping one another looks like. This is a picture. This is the portrait of what a church should look like. You ever remember in high school? I don't know if they still do it or not, but when I went to high school, they, you would have your picture taken every year. You kind of dress your best that day. Uh, some some of us did anyways others of us maybe not but you dress your best and they take your pictures and then a little bit later you take your money back in and they give you your your pictures and there's always the portrait right the one that hopefully your mom will hang up in the living room and then they give you all these other little wallet size pictures when i was going to school anyways and you would always put one in your wallet or pocket and you give them away you give them away to hopefully to the girl that you thought liked you. You go, here's my picture. Can I have one of your pictures? And often the answer would be no. But <laughs> right, you would just give them away. You just give them away to friends, people, maybe even your enemies. I don't know. But Paul gives us this portrait of what the church should look like. But in this portrait, there are, there are smaller pictures, pocket-sized pictures that we can glean from the truth that what Paul is writing here. The first thing that we can take as kind of a sub-picture is this, that we need to be a people in place of support. That we need to be a, a people in place or a place in people of support. To be a people who serve one another. Amen? Can I just be brutally honest with you this morning? There are some of us who come to church and are involved in church week after week after week, and we come to this table expecting other people to serve us. Perhaps it's time that we pull away from the table, let somebody else sit in our chair, and we serve them and help them. We need to be a people that serve and encourage and forgive one another, amen? And confess our sins to each other. To be a people where we meaningfully pray for each other. We don't just say we'll pray for you, but we actually do pray for that person. For a church where people can find support and help 
to one another, that we're just not pretending, as Paul said, but we're actually genuinely caring about other people and wanting to love other people and wanting to pray with other people and wanting to help other people to cross the great divide from darkness to light. It is such a blessing to be part of a church that knows how to do this. You know how to do it. Amen? We may not, we may not always do it, but we certainly know how to do it. And I would say, don't tell the Kentful people. <laughs> but I would say, you know how to do it better than what we do in Kentful. So, but I'll deny it if you, if you tell the Kentful people. It is such a blessing to be a part of a church that knows how to support. Perfect example is our Christmas Eve offerings. Almost $20,000 we received that we can deliberately give away to show support to people who are in the Greenwood, Kingston, Middleton, all points in between areas and say, we love you and so does Jesus and we just want to help you. We want to support you. We need to be a place and people of support. Amen? We also need another portrait or another um, pocket-sized picture off of the portrait picture of what Paul paints for us in Romans 12 is to be a place and people of unity. The work of God's church is always sidelined when people become more concerned with their own interests than maintaining the unity of the fellowship. See it happen. It just it doesn't happen overnight. It actually happens over a lengthy period of time where we kind of drift away and our own interests begin to overtake and our own desires and our own thinking of how the church should be begins to creep in and before long there's disunity and the fellowship is broken there is a disunity uh, where there is disunity division always exists there's always a divide there's a small roman catholic church in carnethia austria where the pastor may pause his sermon for an unusual reason a road runs through the middle of the church while the pastor preaches his sermon in the sanctuary on the east side, the one-lane road goes through the church, so the churchgoers sit on the west side of the building. And if a car goes between, he'll pause until the car passes by so he can continue on preaching. The road divides the church. It is a unique setup that has existed since the 1400s. They make it work. But it's the only church division that I know of that actually works. Because every other church division I've ever seen, there is such destruction that goes beyond repair. I know of much smaller obstacles that have divided churches. What color the sh carpet should be. Who keeps the keys. Who arranges the furniture. What colors should be on the wall. How should the seating be? You're in my seat. You took my parking spot. Have all caused unrepairable division. Stupid stuff, really. When you start to think about the greatness of the kingdom of God. John 17, we discover the following powerful words from Jesus when he said in 17, 22 and 23, he said, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. That's powerful. 
I have given them the glory you gave me. So, Father, as we are one, I have passed on that same unity to those who are followers of me. In verse 23, I am in them and you are in me, and may they experience such perfect, what church? Such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Whenever there is disunity and selfishness and personal preferences, the world begins to lose sight of who Christ is because we are no longer then representing the unity of Christ. We are representing the disunity of the evil seeds that the devil is planting within our life. Unity comes through the revelation of Jesus Christ, understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus does for us and how we live that out to other people. To be a people in place of that kind of unity is a beautiful thing. It truly is. You are a beautiful thing because of the unity of Jesus Christ flowing in and through each of you and the fellowship. It's a beautiful thing. Just like a place of people of disunity is an ugly thing that no one wants any part of or even wants to go there. So keep the unity of Jesus Christ in and through you and to others. Amen. There's another uh, little picture here from Romans 12. It is this, to be a place in people of service. A place in people that is more interested in serving others than you being served. William Booth General Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, was late in his years and he was trying to send a message by telegram to all of his captains around the world. They were, he, was, he was feeling like, I need to get a message out to them. And so he, he sat down and prayed about it. He wrote out a few lines that he thought would really just kind of inspire them and encourage them to continue in the ministry and to continue, continue the work of the Salvation Army. And, and so he took it to the local office and the, and the guy that was going to send it around the world to all of his captains told him the price. And he was like, oh, I can't spend that kind of money, the Lord's money, to send a message. So he went back home again and he began to pray about it and he began to search and he began to think. And the Lord gave him a word, one word. And he said, surely I can afford to send this, world, this one word to all the captains around the world. And he sent it. Do you know what the word was? Others. Others. They knew the message. It was to serve others. That's what the church is about. It is about what? To, know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to do what? Jesus said, which is the second commandment, which is just as great, just as great as the first commandment, to love what? To love others. As Jesus has loved you. How about it? Let's not stop serving others. Amen? Let's not stop serving others. Finally, we see from Paul's portrait in Romans 12 that we need to be a people in place of grace. The church often is not a place of grace. We talk about grace. We pray for grace. We believe we have grace. But the church sometimes is not a place of grace. It's a harsh place sometimes. A place of judgment. A place of rolling up our eyebrows at certain individuals. Whenever we are willing to extend grace 
whenever we are unwilling to extend grace, it inevitably hurts the fabric and chemistry of the community. I would much rather, hear me out, I would much rather new hope err on the side of being graceful than not being graceful enough. I would much rather us err in the realm of being a grace-filled people than not being graceful enough. Because there is no harm here. There is lots of harm here. Finally, and I'm thankful nobody said amen. Finally, what is a hope-filled community? Third, it means this. I understand you don't get my humor sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> We're to be a place and people of growth and multiplication. We're to be a place and people of growth and multiplication. The third foundational core of the vision for New Hope is to multiply, to grow, to multiply. When you look at life itself, whether you're out in your garden or walking down the street, when you see something that is growing, you think what? It's alive. Do you not? But when you see a tree branch or a tree down or some other thing falling over, drooping, turning brown, decaying or rotting, you go what? It's dying or dead. Growth signifies life. When there is no growth, it signifies what? You are either dying or death. Growth and multiplication signifies that God is alive in us. We want new hope to grow in two definitive ways. Here's the first way that we want you to grow. It's to be a place in people of personal growth. We want you to grow spiritually. We do not want you to be the same spiritually today as you will be tomorrow. And we do not want you to have the same spiritual level you have today as you did yesterday. We want everyone to continue in their spiritual journey to grow and to be more like Jesus every day, that we do a better job as we go along in this spiritual journey. We want us, we want every one of us to grow spiritually. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech, like newborn babies. You must crave what? Pure spiritual milk so that you will do what? What does Peter say? So that you will grow. So that you can go from milk to meat. So that you can get off the baby formula and start eat, actually eating some solid food into a full experience of salvation. What is Peter talking about? He's talking about this, that when you come to know Jesus Christ and you confess your sins to him and he starts to live within you, you are not complete. You're on the journey. He has forgiven you of your sins that if the truck hits you that night on your way home, you're going to heaven. He's forgiven you of your sins. But you are not all that Jesus wants you to be in that moment. Because as you go along in this spiritual journey, you begin to drop things. What does Peter say? He says you drop evil behavior. You begin to say, I'm done with deceit, and I'm done with hypocrisy. I'm done with jealousy. I'm done with this, and I'm done with that. And as the Spirit begins to remove these things from our life, and the Spirit does a deeper work within our life, we become more like Jesus each and every day. You will grow. If we are not growing it implies that we're either stagnant and dying 
and not where Jesus wants us. How do we grow spiritually? Well, according to Peter, we eliminate unhealthy practices and we crave and pursue spiritual health at all costs. We cut away the dead. We cut away the things that are rotting our spirit. And we begin to crave and pursue the things that Christ has for us. Amen, church? That's personal spiritual growth. The second way that we want New Hope to grow is because if you grow, the church will grow. To be a place in people of multiplication. If you are growing in your spiritual journey, then the church will begin to grow as well. Because people will see Jesus at work in you and they'll begin to ask you questions and you'll be able to give them answers and they'll come along and experience what Jesus has for them too. New Hope has a vision to grow and to multiply. That's what we've been doing on this journey. 25 years ago, I showed up in, in a place called Kentville with 30 people, no building. And currently today, we have continued to multiply and grow to where we now have two locations and 300 people. That's called multiplication. That's called growth. In 2018, we ventured out to the west of Kentville, to a place called Kingston. Amen? To where God is moving in miraculous ways here that is beyond. If we could go back to 2018 and you could interview me, and I could, you ask me the question, what do you see in Kenful? Or excuse me, Kingston. Forgive me, forgive me, Kingston. He would not even be close to what is happening now. I knew God wanted to do something. I didn't know God wanted to do this. That's multiplication. You don't always know the future. But you go in the belief that God is directing you and guiding you and he does the rest. Amen. You are a remarkable group of people. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. You are a remarkable group of people. I love what God is doing in and through you. Keep it up. Keep running the race, New Hope Kingston. We want to be a people in place of multiplication. Will you help us? The vision is cast. We need the teamwork. And we need the unity. God being our helper, we will multiply again. Perhaps to the east in Windsor, where God is stirring our spirits, and perhaps to the south in Bridgewater. We will need teamwork to make this happen. And that's where you come in. As God has blessed you, there is a spiritual gifting in this that you bless others. Because if you do not bless others, God will cease to bless you. God allows it to flow in. You allow it to flow out. And God allows more to flow in as more flows out. This year, God being our helper, we will be able to take care of some housekeeping things so that we're able to achieve some of the vision in the next year or two. 
I would like to piggyback on this for just a moment. In my summer sabbatical, which you may or may not have known that I, I took a four-week sabbatical, which was a first for me ever to take that much time in one chunk. But it was good. Because God began, he, be, he showed me some things during those 30 days that I want to share with you today. That is kind of part of this talk that we're having here this morning. The first thing that God showed to me is that new hope must become more Holy Spirit-led. Now, I'm not standing here to tell you that we have not been led by the Spirit, that we are now suddenly going to be led by the Spirit. No, we've been led by the Spirit all along. But we just need to lean on the Spirit more. Because there are sometimes we do things where we don't always ask the Spirit's help. And so as from leadership right on through every thread of new hope, we want to lean on the Holy Spirit more. We want to go where the Spirit leads us and we want to do what the Spirit tells us to do. So it's not that we haven't been, it's just that we need to do it a whole lot more, which we will do. So that is both a confession and a declaration. New Hope must become a genuine, welcoming, and connecting and discipling church. You are a great New Hope at welcoming people, at making them feel like they're part of the family. But far as connecting and doing life and discipling, we're weak. And we will do better. God, by His Holy Spirit, will help us as we make those connections go deeper, and as we disciple more to become like Jesus. We will also multiply six more times in the next 15 years. Maybe Nova Scotia, maybe beyond, wherever the Lord leads us. We have two. We want to, I feel the Lord is leading us to eight before I'm done, and I ride off into the sunset. <laughs> so that's kind of, that the vision has been presented we will need teamwork and unity as i said earlier will you join us i pray that you will because don't don't lose sight of this church you have been blessed and you must be a blessing to others not only in your community but for the greater kingdom work we are not laying bricks we are building the kingdom of God here on earth. Yes. Amen? Amen? No church is perfect. I'd admit to that, but there is a prayer that we often pray in unison. It's probably the only fabric of traditionalism that I have in me. But I'd love for us to pray this prayer together. It's on the outline, and I believe it's on the screen for us this morning. I'll pray through it once just so you can kind of get a feel for it. Because I wouldn't want you to pray something that you don't mean and that it doesn't come from the heart. Father, I know that no church is perfect, so help me not to be surprised when problems arise. Keep me from pointing a finger of blame at others and guard my tongue from shameful remarks. Grant me the courage to do my part to make our community a better place. And thank you for graciously allowing me to be part of the best family in the world. Amen. If you mean that, would you stand with me? Whether you mean it or not, stand with me. <laughs> and if you mean it, let's pray together in unison. Father, I know that no church is perfect, so help me not to be surprised when problems arise and keep me from pointing a finger of blame at others 
and guard my tongue from shameful remarks. And grant me the courage to do my part to make our community a better place. And thank you for graciously allowing me to be part of the best family in the world. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for your power and authority and your grace that you give to us. And as you have graciously given to us, the unity that exists between Jesus and your Father, God. We pray that we would have that same unity to one another. We are lost and hopeless without you and without your power of your Spirit flowing in us. And we can never build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven without your help. So Lord, the vision has been cast. Help us to do the teamwork and be unified. I pray that the devil will come in this week to seek to destroy and divide and to plant seeds of dope. By your Spirit, protect us and encourage us by your Spirit to press on and run the race that you've set out before us that we are building your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen.